Hello everyone, I'm Javen, the Marketing and Communications Guy, and welcome, or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe. But most importantly, we hope that what you hear impacts you so that you can then go and impact generations for Jesus. said the Lord uh, said to him quite naturally I think it's uh, maybe something a little popular but you know 2020 he said the Lord said it would be a year of new vision I like that you know ideas concepts insights uh, perhaps that have never been considered before uh, both naturally and spiritually where the kingdom of God is concerned and its manifestation in the earth and then he also said that this year would be a, a year of great change amen how many of you like that So we talked about that last night in navigating the changes uh, of our lives and the seasons of change. Uh, This morning, I'm very happy to be here with you in January. Uh, We love your pastors, your founding pastors. Uh, Their family's very dear to us, and many of you uh, we've known for a long time, and we've got a wonderful history. Thank you, dear. You're a blessing. And uh, we love you very much. So we feel like we're home when we're here. But I'm happy to be here specifically this Sunday, still in January, the beginning of a new year. You know, most often in the new year, we tend to, uh, you know, uh, close out the year behind us. And we look with a sense of anticipation to to what's coming. And, And that's what I want to encourage you this morning to just follow the admonition of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. You'll remember his words. Uh, He said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before. Amen? So that's a great uh, 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 principle of life, to forget the things that are behind uh, and to reach to the things that are ahead. And I pray this morning before this service is ended that your expectation for the coming year of 2020, uh, will be raised to a higher level. You know, I'm sure for some that perhaps 2019, uh, maybe there were some uh, uh, some disappointments, maybe, uh, God forbid, some sorrows, maybe uh, some setbacks in certain arenas. Uh, but, you know, as a new year comes, I, I, I pray and, and I encourage you, uh, let's redirect our gaze. Let's let the past be the past. Let's look forward uh, with a sense of anticipation. Uh, in in, in uh, Genesis chapter 13, and I'll get there in just a moment, but you remember uh, when God told uh, Abraham to leave Haran and go into the land that he would show them in Genesis 12? How many of you remember that? And so he and Lot, of course, took off. And then, of course, God blessed their, their substance 
uh, so much that they were attempting to occupy the same territory with multiple uh, uh, oxen and sheep and cattle and so forth. So they had to separate because the land couldn't sustain them. So uh, Lot took the land uh, in the plains of Jordan, and then God said something very interesting to Abraham, and I believe he's saying it to some of you this morning. Notice in Genesis 13, verse 14 and 15, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. The King James says, lift up your eyes now. And from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. Notice he said, I need you to lift up your eyes. Sometimes, friends, we make the mistake uh, of being so consumed with where we are and perhaps maybe the negativities that are surrounding us at the moment, and we fail to lift up our eyes and see where God wants to take us. And this morning, I want to encourage you, as God told Abraham, lift up your eyes. Some of you need to look up this morning in larger vision, in larger expectation. God said to Abraham, everything that you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. How many of you know that sometimes we need to get alone with God, we need to look up, and we need to see, right? What God has for us what God has for our families, what God has for our business, for our ministry, for our lives, for our destiny. Let him show you what he sees because many times what you see and what he sees and his divine determination uh, can be vastly different than ours. Amen. So look to your neighbor and say it's time to look up. Amen. Get alone with God. Let Him show you what He sees. <clears throat> uh, if we talk about vision, you know, destiny, things that God has planned and purpose for our lives, all of us realize uh, if you're a believer, there is a plan, right? Uh, the Bible says in, in uh, of course, uh, where is that? Uh, Ephesians 2 and 10 in the Amplified you know, it talks about taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So we understand as a believer there is a prearranged path. And according to the word of God, it is a good path. It is a good plan. It is a good purpose, right? Uh, but when we talk about vision, vision for your life, things that, that perhaps God may want you and I to accomplish, our purpose for being here, uh, maybe even personal goals, dreams, aspirations. Vision comes primarily in two ways. Uh, first of all, it can come by divine impartation. Divine impartation, where, of course, uh, God, by His Holy Spirit, actually imparts or implants into your heart as his son or daughter uh, something that he wants you to accomplish, a purpose, a dream, a goal, right? Uh, we looked last night at Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to him. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So we certainly understand there's probably a law of double meaning here. As a child of God, uh, because your father loves you, certainly uh, there's the aspect of him wanting to give you the desires of your heart, the things that bring joy, the things that bring fulfillment in life. We understand that. But there's also uh, another application which we mentioned last evening, and that is uh, where the word delight means remaining pliable. Uh, in the hands of God, like clay in the hands of a potter. So in one sense of the word, this would also be applicable, that as you and I delight ourselves in God, as we fellowship with Him in prayer, in the Word, in the Spirit, that God will actually formulate and place within your heart certain desires or things that He would have us achieve or accomplish or influence in life, He will implant or impart His desires into our hearts. Are you listening? So that our desires are in harmony with His desires. And I love Proverbs 16 verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. It says, Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him. And now watch what will happen. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with His will so that your plans will be established and succeed. So we can count on, uh, uh, as we fellowship with God, many times the desires or the goals or the aspirations or the divine directives that come into our hearts, they're God-ordained. They're planted there by the Holy Spirit uh, with the intention that you and I achieve them. So vision can come by divine impartation or it can also come by divine revelation, right? What I mean by that is... Uh, uh, you and I can gain a revelation of what God's Word has already declared over us and promised to us concerning, once again, our families, our finances, our physical, emotional, mental welfare, everything that God has promised and provided for us in Christ articulated in this Word. When you and I gain a revelation of that, then that revelation can be the basis upon which vision is formed. For instance, let's say, uh, you know, you're sick in your body. You find out uh, uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 53 there that surely he, uh, he bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases and pains. Uh, the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. You see that word. You find that promise and that provision. You gain a revelation of it and then that revelation is the basis upon which a vision for healing and health in your heart is formulated right so vision can come primarily two ways through impartation and revelation now once vision and that includes desires objectives goals purpose directive once those things are formulated then quite naturally it takes faith it takes wisdom, it takes patience, it takes determination, and it takes, like we talked about last night, being effectively led by the Spirit in the decision-making processes of life to bring them into fruition. Okay? So, you know, this year, 
Uh, I'm, I'm celebrating 32 years of full-time ministry. I started when I was 10. I'm just kidding. But uh, 32 years of full <laughs> I'm still young. 32 years of full-time ministry, and of course, seven years prior to that in college and so forth, serving in local churches, developing and, and things like that, as we all do. But 32 years full-time, and you know, recently I've kind of been reflecting on, on our life and where we are, kind of taking an assessment, you know, of the journey. And it's good for us to, to do that, reviewing some of our personal goals and dreams and maybe our desires as well. And I understand on a personal note, that, you know, concerning my life and ministry, I cannot claim by faith something that hasn't been apportioned to me from heaven. How many of you know that's true? Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 27, uh, the scripture says, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Right? So I never compare myself with other people in life. Oh, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. I know that in one sense of the word, the influence of our ministry in life, the scope of our life in ministry, in one sense of the word, has been predetermined. And there are certain things that pertain to your life and purpose and destiny that have been predetermined. Uh, so uh, I don't compare myself with other people. I understand that, you know, I can be faithful to maximize the fullness of the potential and the purpose that God has assigned to my life, and so can you, right? <clears throat> but we can't claim by faith something that hasn't already been given to us from heaven. Uh, and that includes if it's in this Bible and been promised and provided, then quite naturally it's, it's been included in the package, right? So although we cannot claim by faith something that hasn't been apportioned to us, did you know that Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So once again, although we cannot claim by faith something uh, uh, that has not been apportioned to us from heaven, what has been revealed to us, and that's why I spoke earlier, what has been revealed to us either by divine revelation and impartation, right, of the Holy Spirit, or revealed in this word, what's been revealed to you belongs to you, and you have a right to receive it. Woo! And so do I. Are you listening? So there's still some things, you know, in life, uh, uh, that we're waiting on, right? That uh, we're waiting in faith. We're waiting in patience. Things that were revealed to us by the Spirit that we saw that we know would be God's divine intention. Perhaps some promises that we based uh, personal desires and objectives and prayers upon in that word. We're still waiting on some things. In patience, in determination, in expectation. And how many of you could say that's true for some of you? this morning. You got some things, man, you're waiting on. <clears throat> well, I've come to realize in life, some things take time. And if you've been around a while, you know that, right? All things don't happen overnight. There's a process. I think about Abraham, uh, as we've referenced, you know, he was 75 years old 
when God called him out of Haran and said, I've got a land uh, for you. I'm going to make a, a great nation of you. It's going to be awesome. And of course, you know the story. 25 years later, right? Uh, finally, in Genesis 21, in verse 2, uh, the Bible says that God visited Sarah as he said he would, right? It took a while, but God's faithful. We've just got to stay steady. I think about Joseph. Uh, he was 17 years old when he dreamed a dream, man. That one day, you know, his destiny would be in a certain direction where he would stand in a place of authority uh, where Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt was concerned. But guess what? He was 30 years old before he took his place next to Pharaoh. 13 years. David was anointed to be king. Theologians tell us in 1 Samuel 17, somewhere around uh, 16 and 17 there, around ages 15 to 17, when he was anointed to be king. And yet 2 Samuel 5, 4 tells us he was 30 years old when he began to reign. 13 years. What was he doing? 13 to 15 years? Well, he had some giants to fight, a few bears and lions, some family issues to deal with, you know. But he made it. And so will you if you stay steady and be determined. Amen? You know, the Apostle Paul was uh, converted on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. But did you know it was some 14 to 20 years later before he ever took his first missionary journey? Wow. Things take time. We've got to trust God's process. Everybody say, trust God's process. And you have to keep the dream the goal, the objective, whether God-given or personal, based upon the promises of God, you've got to keep that thing alive on the inside of you. You're the only one that can do that. You've got to nurture it. You've got to, to keep it alive, even if it seems like it's taking a long time. You know, diamonds, pearls, butterflies, they all reach their place of beauty and fulfillment through what? Time and pressure. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, things can be a little pressing. In the cocoon, in the shell, right? In the ground. But they all reach that place of beauty and they don't begrudge the process. I like Habakkuk 2 and 3. Uh, I like this particular translation. It's a compilation of the 26 translations. But it says, the plan waits for its appointed time. It doesn't always happen right away. If it seems slow, do not despair. For it shall surely come to pass. Just be patient. It will not be overdue a single day. Isn't that awesome? You know Galatians 6 and 9. It says, do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you what? Faint not. How many of you know what due season is? Due season's a little longer than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> Man, I found that out. Woo! I think of Joseph. You know, the passage to purpose, friends, and the path to your goals and dreams and God-given purposes, they're not always glamorous. 
right? Or we think, man, I'm in the flow of God. I know this is God's will. It's just going to be a piece of cake. Well, that's not always true. You know, Joseph started his journey in a pit, right? Being sold in, into slavery. Sometimes you got to dream with your eyes closed, you got to shut out all the negativity of the moment and the vision of the moment, maybe of the things that are around you, and you've got to dream with your eyes closed. Because Joseph, man, he was in a pit. Then later, he's in a prison, right? But you know what we have to do? And I want to encourage you. I know what I'm saying this morning is specifically for some. God will... will uh, uh, geared entire service to encourage one or two people. But we can all be generally encouraged, right? But you have to take the quit option out of your life. Because if you quit, do you realize as a Christian that your life and your destiny is intermingled with the lives and destinies of other people? This is the way God formulated the body of Christ. And if you quit then it's going to affect somewhere, someone else. Because there are people in your life that God intends for you to influence, for the kingdom of God to be a blessing to, uh, for your life to intersect. Think if Joseph would have quit when he was in the pit or in the prison. What would have happened in the time of famine when his family come, came to Egypt to get food and survive and birth in one sense of the word, for many, many years, the nation of Israel within that particular parameter of Egypt. What would have happened? God could have made an alternate plan, but if Joseph would have quit, it would have affected a lot of, of things, right? And a lot of people. So say uh, to yourself, man, I'll never quit. Woo, glory to God. Now, now, here's what I know by the Spirit. And I said this morning, uh, this is specifically for some as we enter the new year of 2020, leaving the old behind, redirecting your gaze, getting a sense of anticipation. Some of you have been fighting some potential discouragement as you've entered the new year because you have placed uh, your faith in a particular direction. Uh, man, I heard Pastor Joel preach on faith and I've laid hold of a promise, you know, and I prayed a prayer and, and I haven't seen the manifestation of it. Maybe there were some situations that you really wanted to see resolved in 2019. You really wanted to see some things change. And man, it just didn't happen. And you had your anticipation for it. And now you're in a new year and, and maybe you're sensing some, some uh, a sense of disappointment. May I encourage you this morning to maintain your expectation because Brother Copeland said, by the Spirit of God, and I bear witness with it, uh, uh, this is a year of great change. And guess what? Some things are about to change. I don't care how long it's been that way. I want you to get your expectation. Man, some things are going to change. Now, when I was with you a couple of years ago in the transition service, I ministered a certain message about maintaining the divine flow, basically, and I gave three points. I want to uh, reiterate one of the points this morning uh, for you personally and corporately. Some of you were here, some of you were not, but I wanted to set a precedent for the year of 2020 where you're concerned when you walk out this door this morning, and I'm not just trying to hype you up with a 2020 message. I'm just giving you what's in my spirit from the Holy Ghost, all right? 
But when you walk out that door, I want you to have a renewed sense of expectation. It's not going to be like it always has been. I don't care that it's taken a little time. It's coming to pass and everything is going to be fulfilled like God said it would. Woo! So in 1 Kings chapter 18, you know, there's been a drought in the land three and a half years. And as a result of that drought, there's been quite a famine. So you could say, you know, uh, nothing's changed three and a half years. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, everything looks pretty desolate. No change in the situation. I've been anticipating it, but nothing's happened. Here they are in a drought for three and a half years. And then in 1 Kings 18, 1, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. Then Elijah said to Ahab in verse 41, Go up, eat and drink. There's the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down to the ground. He put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now. Look toward the sea. So he went up, and he looked, and he said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Now, why would you go? And look seven times for something. When six times you've been disappointed. There was no evidence of what God had spoken or promised or declared. But six times nothing. Why would you go seven times? Because you are persuaded of something. And when you're persuaded of something, you will not take no for an answer. Are you listening? Smith Wigglesworth said one time, he said, every Christian ought to have on the inside of them an inward amen. An amen that says, God has said it, or God has said it, right, to your spirit, and it cannot be otherwise. Woo! Look in verse 44. Came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud the seventh time now, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Now it happens in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. Ahab rode away, went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Woo! Now listen. What do you say? I'm saying, I think some of you have been looking for the rain for a while. And when I say the rain, I'm talking about a promise a prayer that you have made to God, a change maybe in family, business, finance, I don't know what it pertains to, that you've really had a sense uh, of anticipation for, but you haven't yet seen it. Are you listening? May I encourage you to maintain your expectation this year? Everybody say, maintain your expectation. You got to keep looking. That's a part of faith is expectation. <clears throat> Don't you let the devil talk you out of your miracle. 
Don't you let him talk you out of God's divine plan and purpose and directive or your own God-given dreams, goals, and aspirations or those that you have formulated based upon his promise. Don't you let the devil talk you out of it. Your faith is in process. That which your faith has initiated and claimed to be yours, it's in process. Sometimes it doesn't look like it's in process. I mean, you know, in nature, when, when nature is prefer, uh, preparing for the beauty of spring, I mean, first you've got winter. All the leaves fall off the trees, man. The grass grows dormant. The flowers fade. It looks anything but beautiful. But all the while, what you've got to realize is underneath the surface, the leaves are preparing to spring forth. The flowers and the seeds are preparing to, bu to bud. Remember I talked to you about Joseph? Think about that man. You know, God said, here's the dream. Woohoo! First step, pit. <laughs> then he's transported down there to Egypt. Then he gets in Potiphar's house, and man, it's looking good. It says the grace of God was upon him. And the Lord prospered him and prospered Potiphar. And whoo hallelujah, the vision is coming to pass. Man, it's smooth sailing. I'm blessed. And then, man, the next day his feet is where his head was yesterday. Somebody pulled the rug out on him, uh, uh, out from underneath him. Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife, of course, lied about it, right? He was a man of integrity. Dismissed her advances. Her pride has kind of heard about it. So she tells her husband, you know, a big fat lie. He tried to seduce me. Right? And then so he's ended up in prison. And he's there two and a half years. Man. Talk about a setback. <laughs> Seemingly. We run into some bumps in the road. That's all right. Keep a smile on your face. No, God is faithful. It's going to come to pass. You got to stay steady. Don't let go of your miracle. Two and a half years pass and it looks like nothing is in process. But guess what? All the while, God is working. Building a bridge to Joseph's fulfillment. And one morning he woke up what in his mind would be just another day. But everything changed. They came, they got him, they gave him a bath, put a robe on him, gave him a nice shave, and put a ring on his finger. You know, remember the process of that with the dreams. But he ends up standing next to Pharaoh, second in command. <laughs> Things can change pretty quickly. I don't care how long it's looked a certain way. you got to stay steady. Amen? Don't let go of your miracle. Maintain your expectation. So this is what I want to encourage you with this morning. You know, God has heard your prayers. He has acknowledged your faith. Right? And I believe that He is actively working uh, to alter the perceived outcome of certain events. You know, sometimes we're in the middle of things and if we look at them from the natural, a natural perspective, from our perspective, the outcome isn't going to be very good. But did you know God can alter the perceived outcome of situations and bring you to a glorious end and a glorious victory?
He also is a master at bringing restitution. You know, think about restitution. Restitution means there's been loss in some way. But God is a master at bringing restitution, restoring things, and not just bringing you up even, but taking you beyond. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. You know, sometimes uh, your greatest seasons of victory, success, forward momentum in life, fulfillment, they can sometimes be preceded by some of the most intense times of adversity, opposition, inconvenience, uh, you know, potential discouragement, right? But what do we do? We just press on through that. Because sometimes those seasons are just the border to your promised land. Woo-hoo! And you got to keep moving forward. Turn to your neighbor and say, move forward. But you know what, guys? I believe the word of the Lord 2020, a year of great change. I know that's in the political realms and the national realms and so forth, but I believe it has significant implication for you and I. Some things are going to change. Yeah, but I've been struggling in this area for so long. Yeah, but it's going to change. It's going to change. If you'll have the mentality and the confession, it's going to change, right? And listen to the Holy Ghost, right? then it will change. So we've looked at this principle before, you know, when we talk about things are changing. Uh, You've heard preachers say it. God, and I've I've talked about it myself. God can what? Turn things around. How many of you have heard that concept? Well, you know, it makes a good preaching point, but it's true. God is a master at what? Turning things around. What does that mean? Changing the direction and course of events. So that may mean that maybe in 2019, man, things were going in a direction that weren't so glamorous, so great, right? Not so good. But then the Lord's saying, hey, changes are coming. What's that mean? There's going to be a what? A turn. A turn. A change in the course of direction. So that means maybe it's been negative. It's going to turn for positive. It's going to change for your good. But you've got to believe that. And you've got to tell God you believe it. Lord, I'm thanking you based upon that skinny guy from Georgia that came this morning and said that you said to tell us 2020 is going to be a year of change. I'm going to declare that you're working in my life. You're working in my business. You're working in my relationships. You're working in this church. You're working in whatever arena it is. And it's changing. It's turning. Amen. Is that scriptural? Absolutely. Where do we see this concept? Psalm 126, 1. Notice. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed, right? What do you mean turned their captivity? They're slaves. They're in Egyptian bondage. They're poor. They're sad. They're down and out. Life is a bummer. (laughs) But then God 
turned their captivity. He changed that situation. Now listen, I know legally as a Christian, our captivity's already been turned. Jesus did that. He brought us out of death into life, out of darkness into light. Amen. I'm talking about specific situations and circumstances this morning that have been just, you know, kind of hovering over for a while. God can change it. What does it look like when God turns something? Look here, Psalm 105 and 37. What does it look like? They're in Egyptian bondage. Then he brought them forth with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. What's it look like when God changes something? Verse 43, Psalm 105. And he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. God radically altered their state of existence at that, in that situation. They're slaves. They're, they're poor. They're down and out. I mean, it, life is rough. And then boom, what did he do? He turned it. He turned it. Never assume for a moment that your present state or condition has any bearing on your future potential or fulfillment because God can change things in a moment of time. And guess what, 2020? Some things are going to change for our good, for our better. Can you say amen? Woo. Here's another one, Job 42 and 10. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm just giving you Bible. You know, Job's friends, they came and prayed for him. And notice what it says. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, what does that sound like? Restitution. Restitution. God's not into the losing business. He's into the winning business. And even though it may look like you've lost, if you'll stick with Him and tell Him this morning, I'm putting my confidence in you, He will not only restore what you lost, I believe He'll take you beyond where you were. Because that's what He did for Job. If He did it for Job, He'll definitely do it for us, His kids. Amen? Woo! Glory to God. So listen, this morning... In anticipation and expectation of the coming year of 2020, when you walk out that door, I want you to go out with your head held high, your shoulders back, standing up on the inside. Some of you just been like this. Man, get your mind off of that. Stand up on the inside and say, you know what? This year is going to be awesome. Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of gods is in me, for me, and with me. And He has an agenda for my life. And He has an agenda for this church. Man, you're moving forward. All of you. Amen? So, I, I want us, in anticipation of that this morning, being confident that the things that need to change are going to change. We're going to release in the realm of the Spirit what I call a voice of triumph. Are you listening? A voice of praise. It's not emotionalism. There's a spiritual principle. There's something about the children of God in the earth 
when they release a shout of victory, a voice of triumph, it initiates things in the realm of the Spirit. Absolutely does. You can see it throughout of the Bible and particularly of the battle plans of the Old Testament. I'm not trying to be dramatic, right? I'm just giving you a Bible this morning. There's a scriptural precedent. Let's look in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, you know the story. <clears throat> Let me give you a little background before we look at that particular scripture. You'll remember that um, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, right? And so, uh, man, uh, he's, he's gotten his house in order. He's set things right in the land of Judah. They're worshiping God like they should. All of a sudden, man, uh, a great army east of Edom uh, comes, the Moabites, the, uh, the uh, uh, Amorites, and, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. They start invading the land, and someone comes in and says, Jehoshaphat, I, sir, I hate to tell you this, but, you know, uh, there's a big old army. They've already reached the En Gedi. Right? So, man, they're in the land. They're outnumbered. It looks impossible. There's no way out of this thing. Right? So he goes to God. Verse 12, and he's praying, God, Jehoshaphat, uh, will you not judge them? We have no power against uh, this great multitude that's coming against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are on you. Maybe that's where you are. Man, I've done all I know to do. Well, just keep your eyes on him. Amen. Verse 14, God begins to respond through a man named Jehaziel through the gift of prophecy, and he prophesies. And this is what he said, verse 15, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great battle. Why? Because the battle is not yours, it's God's. Maybe the Lord's saying that to somebody in this room this morning. The battle's not yours. It's God's. I'm taking care of it. Trust me. I've got it all under control. And you know He does. Then He continues in verse 16, gives them the battle plan. Uh, tomorrow go down against them. They'll come up by the ascent of Ziz. You'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jezreel. Listen, God knows exactly all the strategies of the enemy against you and how to foil them. <clears throat> then he says something amazing, verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now notice, you will not need to fight in this battle. Sometimes, friends, uh, you've done all you know to do in the natural, right? And God said, look, we're not going to handle this in the natural realm. We're going to handle it in a supernatural realm. Did you know you can handle things in a supernatural realm? So, of course, in verses 18 and 19, just in general, we see they stood up as a nation. They began to worship God. And in verse 19, they began to praise God in a real quiet, reverent, reverent timid voice. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is that what? <laughs> no. In a loud voice. Sometimes you need to get loud. Let the devil know you mean business. And man, just haul back and let her rip. 
A good shout of praise. A good voice of triumph. Well, well, I'm Canadian. We don't do that. That's all right. You're a Christian. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You can do it. Amen. And we're going to. Woo! So, you won't need to fight. Now notice in verse 21, when he, Jehoshaphat, had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. So Jehoshaphat says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the praise and worship team out front. Don't you know there was a lot of choir members missing that morning? Mr. Jo- Mr. Jehoshaphat, my voice is bothering me a little bit today. <laughs> no. He consulted with them. They said, yes, amen, if the Lord said it, we'll do it. And man, they got out in front of the army, you know. And man, that's faith, isn't it? No weapons, right? Absolutely no natural weapons to fight this battle. All they're carrying into this battle is the garment of praise. And I'm telling you, friends, there is power in praise. Not mere emotionalism, but praise. When it comes from the heart of a believer in faith because you know God has got you. That everything's going to be all right. It's going to be like you said. It's coming to pass. It's going to be like you said, like you promised, what you put in my heart. And I'm going to praise you like it's so, even if it doesn't look like it. Right? So, man, they get out there. No weapons. Now, verse 22. When they began to sing and praise... The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Wow. Now notice it was when they began to sing and praise. God started doing something, right? Their praise initiated something in the, in the realm of the Spirit. We see this principle over and over in the Old Testament. When Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, man, what did they do? Six days they encompassed the city, didn't say a word. Don't you know that made everybody nervous, looking over the walls. What are these guys doing, man? They're not saying anything. They're just walking around, right? And then on the seventh day, God said, now you can encompass it seven times. And then let the trumpets, the priests blow the trumpets. And when they do, God said, I want you to let out a shout, scare every devil. That's what we're going to do. We're going to scare every devil in Red Deer this morning. We're going to get some attention. We're going to activate some things in the realm of the Spirit. Woo! Gideon and the Midianites, Israel and the Philistines. God likes shouting. And if He likes it, I like it. Right? I don't know why he likes it, but if he likes it, I like it. And if he said, do it, I'm going to do it. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. So verse 23, watch what happens. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they'd made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. 
You want to put some confusion in the enemy's camp, man? Start praising God. Whew. Can you imagine such a thing? These guys turn on each other, kill each other, till the last man standing? Good Lord. And, and, and here's the part I love. Did you know when all this is happening, Jehoshaphat, the, the, the people of Judah and the praise and worship team that's out front saying, praise the Lord, His mercy endures forever. They have no visual on this. The armies on the other side of the mountain ridge down in the valley, they cannot see what's happening. Everything they're doing, they're doing in faith. And here's the point. They're over here on this side praising God that His Word is true, that He's going to do what He said He's going to do even though they could not see the evidence of it, right? But when they started praising God over here, man, he started taking care of business over there. Are you listening? What better way to start the year, man? Let, let's praise God in this house this morning over here, and he's going to start taking care of business over there where you're concerned. Maybe some things that you really, man, you need some changes. You need something to, to move and change and come into fruition. Well, get it in your mind's eye this morning and get ready to praise God for it. When they started praising Him over here, man, He started doing things over there. You could get to the office on Monday and, man, hey, that pain in the butt's changed. You know what I'm saying? God can work in people or move them out if necessary. Is that wrong to say pain in the butt? That's from Georgia, excuse me. Pain in the derriere, you know. <laughs> Where was I? All right, derriere, yes. Verse 24. <laughs> Verse 24, man. So, now watch. When Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they came over and they looked toward the multitude... And there were dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. Can you imagine coming over that mountain not knowing? You're expecting the biggest army you've ever seen in your life. And you come up over the mountain and everybody's dead? Dear Lord, I'm not an advocate of, you know, your friends or whatever being wiped out. I'm just saying, you know, whatever the situation is, God can handle it. <laughs> And when he does, man, he does it right and he does it completely. And you know what? He doesn't just want to bless you in 2020. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Put a little cherry on the, on the top of that whipped cream. Now watch what happened. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables. On the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. They thought they're coming to stay a while, going to take the land of Judah. In their minds, hey, let's bring our gold, our silver, all our cattle and everything. We're going to set up camp. God said, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on over here. <laughs> we're going to transfer how many of you could use some transfers? <laughs> Listen, whatever situation you've been facing lately, this is what's in my heart this morning. 
What may have caused you in 2019 or beyond a sense of discouragement, the voices of negativity that have attempted to tell you, you know, things will never change, that your dreams will never come to pass. We're going to drown those voices out this morning. And all the things that have just kind of been nagging, let's, let's just blow them out of the atmosphere. And let's leave this place with a voice of triumph this morning. Praise hastens victory. There's something about praising God out of your heart in faith. I've heard it said and I've told you before, your celebration is a demonstration of your faith in the fact. God's heard my prayer and I know the answer's on the way. That's what praise is. So whatever it is this morning, and that has to be between you and God, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to count to three men, and we're going to give God a shout of praise. Now, I had an awesome song to go along with what I preached for you, but we had some technical difficulties, so I've substituted one. But it'll still be applicable. You can still get hold of it. Amen. I've sung it for you before. But listen, here's, here's what we know. Things are changing. God is turning our, our situations around for our good. It's going to be awesome. The, the church is moving forward. You're moving forward. Whatever changes may come, God's going to take care of you, right? You'll be in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. What have I got? Expectation. Anticipation. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise God this morning. Everybody stand up. Now, you may be visiting. If I scare you, you just come back next week because I won't be here, right? It, 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 you know, and you may say, well, now I don't think, you know, I, I don't shout. Close your eyes. Don't pay attention to anybody around you and let it rip. <laughs> well, what am I, I going to shout? You can shout, thank you, Lord. You can shout hallelujah. You can shout praise you, Jesus. You can begin to articulate what you need to change and thank Him for it. And guess what? While we're doing it over here, God's going to be taking care of business over there. I know it. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor. Hello again. Thank you for listening. And if you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you stop by for one of our weekend messages. For directions, service times, and more info on our amazing children's environments, visit us at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.